Revelation 13, you are right where you should be, and we're going to begin just by reviewing for a moment, if you would, let's talk about uh, where we're at in, in the book of Revelation. We began in Revelation chapter 1, where the Bible begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Those are the first words of the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we began with this idea that he rules the world, that he is in control, that it's really all about Jesus. That was Revelation chapter 1. Then we moved into Revelation 2 and 3, and we actually decided to hone in on one of the churches of the seven churches, and we discussed a very important subject, especially in the church today, and that is, how does Jesus confront sexual sin? And then we moved on to Revelation chapter number 4, and we discussed how to approach heaven, because that's when we're introduced, really, to this place called heaven, and we get a, a short tour in the early stages of Revelation about heaven. And of course, uh, Revelation ends with a great discussion about heaven, and we'll kind of begin some of that next Sunday. We talked about how to approach heaven. How should we as believers approach this idea that one day, if we are truly saved, what can we be doing right now to get ready for the day when we will be with him forever? And then Revelation chapter 5, we we, we agreed that Jesus is worthy. They were looking for someone who was worthy to open this very important book that would unfold the rest of the book of Revelation. And they found one, only one, who was worthy. And his name was Jesus. And then Revelation chapter number 6, we began to open the scrolls and see some of the judgments that are laid out in Scripture and it kind of gets heavy when you open those scrolls. But that's what Jesus was worthy to open, the book that revealed to us the scrolls of judgment that is to come. And then Revelation chapter 9, last week, and we discussed how so many awful things are going to take place. And you would think that people would repent as a result of these things that are taking place. And yet, everyone hardened their heart. And we see such a hardening of the heart today, even amongst believers. There seems to be a hardening of the heart towards uh, the Word of God and the things of God. And, and how could it be that in these days there could be such a hardening of the heart? Well, there's a strong delusion. There's the master of deceit that Rosemary sang about just a moment ago. And he is deceiving, the Bible says, at times, it seems, even the very elect. Even the saved seem to be, uh, at times, under that delusion. And we'll see that today in the message. And so now we're in Revelation chapter 13. You say, uh, you're not going chapter by chapter, not chapter by chapter. Can't get, can't get the, uh, go chapter by chapter and get every verse in just ten messages. But we've taken this two and a half, three months of time and devoted it to this book because I do believe that it is so important that not only do we preach from the book of Revelation because we know we're blessed if we do study and understand these words, but also because it is relevant today. It's not just about prophecy. It's not just about the apocalypse. This is about how we as, as God's people are to be living today. There are me these messages are relevant. There are things here today for you and for me. Now, this one was a challenge. I didn't think we could get through the book of Revelation without discussing the Antichrist. And so the discussion today will turn towards him. 
And so I want to ask you to be very diligent in listening today as we discuss this beast. Because there is a beast. And he is lurking in the wings of history. He's ready to announce his impact on the world. Now, you know, it seems as if the word beast is used a lot today and and especially in, in the younger generation. You know, you see somebody like LeBron James play the game of basketball and what comes out of your mouth is, dude, he is a beast. I mean, six foot eight, 250 pounds. And on that basketball court, he dominates. He's just a beast. Or we see uh, a defensive uh, linebacker, you know, who makes an incredible tackle. And we, we use that term oftentimes. Man, he is a beast. Hopefully we're not using that term about too many of you ladies. Amen? Let's just reserve that for the guys, all right? He's a beast. Well, you see, the beast in Scripture is not an animal. It's not an animal. It's easy sometimes just to kind of uh, hear that word and, and just completely associate that word with just an animal. But in Revelation 13, this is a man, but he has the heart of a beast. He's called in the Bible the man of sin. And that's why we've entitled our message, Who is the Undescribably Wicked Beast of Revelation 13? Who is this man? He's so evil. He's so wicked. Well, the Bible calls him the man of sin. That's his name. Then the Bible describes him as the son of perdition. The word perdition meaning judgment. He's doomed for judgment. Or the Bible describes him also as the Antichrist. Someone who is an antichrist, against Christ. Someone who will proclaim to come instead of Christ. He'll claim to be the Messiah. Today in Revelation 13, he's called the beast. So there is a man who is indescribably wicked. I believe, and we will see this morning, that we we could also see that he is probably pretty handsome. He's incredibly brilliant. But he's called a beast, the Antichrist. Notice with me this morning as we begin to speak about this beast. And then hang tight for the applications that along the way there will be several that you can latch on to. So look with me at verse number 1 of Revelation chapter 13. That's our text today. In Revelation 13 verse 1, John says, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast... Rise up out of the sea. Now, again, if your mind wanders, what you're seeing right now is some kind of a movie with a dragon, some kind of dinosaur coming out of the sea. You know, that's sometimes what we see. We see what we've seen in some image on television or at the, the movies. This is not a animal, a dinosaur, a dragon coming out of water and scaring the world. You see, we, we understand, especially in the book of Revelation, that, that God speaks to us oftentimes in symbols. We have to look for other passages most of the time of Scripture that can help us to understand symbolically what does that mean. And so the symbol of the sea here represents something spoken of in Revelation 17, verse 15. You'll see on the screen that the Bible says, He saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, the waters, the sea, the waters, where the horse sitteth are peoples. 
The waters which you see. John stands on the sea and he sees a beast coming out of the waters. Peoples, multitudes, nations, tongues, or languages. In other words, the sea here represents the nations of the world. All of the peoples of the world, the multitudes of the world, the nations of the world, the languages of the world. There's almost six and a half billion people on planet earth today and out of the six and a half billion people will come one man one one beast will rise up out of the sea and we see here that the nations of the world are under distress and out of this distress out of this sea of humanity for whom there is no peace will come the Antichrist. Think of the world today. Today. Think of the world today, right now. You go to the front page of the Fox News or CNN, and what you're going to see is a story about uh, the leader of Russia and the leader of Ukraine, and, and there is a, a, a war taking place, being uh, camouflaged by a ceasefire, for which the Ukrainian leader said, there's no ceasefire. This man, Putin, wants to take us over and destroy us. I mean, that, that whole side of the world is under great distress, even now as we speak. You know, we go about our day drinking Starbucks coffee, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. There's not much peace in society today. We live in a world under distress amidst sometimes what, if we're not careful, can become apathy. Think about what's happening over in the Middle East. I mean, just this week, a lot of talk, and really every week, a lot of talk about Iran having nuclear power and threatening the country of Israel. And, and that's just one story out of the Middle East. There are so many different situations coming out of the Middle East. North and South Korea, such a fragile situation. A really strange dude in North Korea that does a lot of weird stuff, but also seems to have a crazy mind. <laughs> And a lot of hatred towards a lot of people. And then China, who boasts of an army right now, that one country boasts of an army. And there's some prophetic meaning here because China today boasts of an army of, and it's interesting because scripture speaks of this exact number, but 200 million in their army alone. And then Europe, so much unrest in Europe and a lot of terrorism plots and, 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 and just different things that are going on over there that, that just seem to, to give you the idea that things are just not right there. There's so much going on in, in the country of Europe. Then you compound all of that with false cults and famines and economic collapse and, and plagues that are, that are coming upon the earth and diseases and, and, and disastrous weather and catastrophes. And you put all that together and we live in a very unstable society you put all that together and you have a world in turmoil and out of the sea out of a world of turmoil and no peace will come this beast onto the scene so the first thing i want you to see then is the the social chaos that will deliver the beast the chaos in the world today he will come out of the sea of the world of the peoples and he will announce his coming as peace. Peace. Number two, 
I want you to notice, secondly, in Revelation 13, not only does he come out of this sea, this, this world, uh, this great population of, of, of nations, but notice the satanic attribute. There's some attributes that he has, and they describe the beast. I want you to see those attributes in verse 1 and verse 2. Look at verse 1 again. It speaks of him coming out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw, John said, was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a beast, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power, and his seat, or his throne, and great authority. You know, again, this sounds like someone else spoken of in Scripture. The chapter before, we find there is a dragon. In Revelation chapter 12, if you can flip one page over and look at verse number 3, again, just comparing Scripture to Scripture, not even needing to go to a commentary or find out what somebody else thinks. It's, it's right in the Bible. Look at verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head, it, the exact same person spoken of in, in verse number uh, 2 of chapter 13. Look at verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So here we have the dragon giving power to the beast. So who is giving power to the beast? Satan is. The devil is giving power to this one called the beast. So you have the devil and the beast. And the beast is the son of Satan. He is devil in human flesh. Like father, like son. In fact, Jesus said, He that hath seen me has seen the father. And when the Antichrist comes on the scene, this beast will say, If you've seen me, You've seen my father. I'm just like the devil. In fact, the attributes of this beast are described as a leopard, a lion, a beast, and so on. And this represents all the empires of the world. And again, not time to develop all that. And and truly not the purpose of this series to to take time to develop all of those meanings. but, But yet to describe and to understand who is this one. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, this Antichrist, his coming is after the working of Satan with all power and all signs and lying wonders. He will receive his power from the devil. He will be the visible expression of the invisible devil. And he's powerful. He is powerful. And he has authority. And he has a throne. And if you've been with us through the series, you, you, you saw uh, different times when we spoke of this authority he had and this throne that he has. In, Revel- in Luke chapter 4, I want to point something very interesting to you. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse number 5, the Bible speaks of this devil taking uh, Jesus up to a high mountain. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And so we have the devil taking Jesus himself up to a mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and he does this in a moment of time go on to verse 6 and we'll come back to verse 5 and the devil says to Jesus all all this power notice Jesus never argued that Satan doesn't have power 
Satan has a lot of power, and Satan is offering all of his power here to Jesus. And he says, all this power, Jesus, I'll give you. And all the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. Who gave it to him? Adam did. When Adam sinned, it gave the devil some power and some authority. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus, you worship me, you just bow and worship me, and everything will be yours. Let's go back to verse 5 for just a moment and talk about this, because this all happened in a moment of time. And you know what I want us to recognize right now, church? And I want this to become applicable right now. Here it is. Ready? We're, we're coming home. We're coming to, to this day in human history. You're sitting in this auditorium. When are you sitting in this auditorium? You're sitting in this auditorium right now. Not yesterday and not tomorrow, but right now. You are in a moment of time right now. You know what a moment of time is? A moment of time is a split second. It's a a second of time in history where you have to make a decision. For instance, right now, you are making a decision to either listen to me or not listen to me. Right now, you're making a decision to either uh, tune me out or or, or to listen and tune me in. Right now, everyone in this building obviously made a decision this morning to get up out of bed and to come to church. You did that in a moment of time. At some point this morning, when the alarm went off, you said, I'm going. I'm doing it. I'm going. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'm going to go to church in a moment of time. Now, I want you to think about what was at stake here in this moment of time. In this moment of time, Jesus is faced with a decision, and he doesn't have time to say, time out. Can I think about it? Wait wait a minute, devil. Uh, Boy, that's, that's serious. The whole world? Yeah, Jesus, the whole world. Wow. All power? Yeah, you can have power to to rule the world. That's a... That's a pretty big offer. Could, could, I, could I just pray about this for a little? Wasn't time to pray about it. Wasn't time to think about it. He had to make a decision in a moment of time. Can I tell you, all of us have those moments in our lives. Today, you have a moment to make a decision. You know, I remember when <clears throat> this morning I was thinking about this passage, and I, I went to Jamie and asked if she could help find this article, and she she said, Preacher, I don't know where it is. And then I went to my files and I found it. And I thought, this is so cool. But back when we first started the church, I was in a bank robbery with my son, Matthias. And here's the front page. It says, shootout at bank leaves suspect in critical condition. And it goes on to say, a man who tried to rob the Worthen Bank branch on Central Avenue was seriously wounded Friday in a noontime shootout with a Hot Springs police sergeant. Responding to a suspicious person called at the bank, Sergeant Larry Douglas, who just retired, by the way, from the police department here in Hot Springs, he emptied his six-shot Smith & Wesson 357 during the gun battle with the robber that began inside the bank where I was. He says, when the robber hit the floor, he landed right at my feet, said Eric Capace of Hot Springs. (laughs) Capace, along with his 18-month-old son, Matthias, and a visiting friend from California said they were the only customers in the bank when the robber was inside. When the shooting began, Capace said he ran for cover with his son and friend. What happened was we were in the bank. The story is there was a girl whose father was a missionary 
in the Philippines. And he had planted a church in Los Angeles. And as a result of this, he had come under some persecution. And his, family, his family's life had been threatened. And they threatened to kill his daughter, his 13-year-old daughter, Joy. You think about that. He leaves L.A. because his daughter was threatened to be killed, comes to Hot Springs, and she almost gets killed. <laughs> so she moves to Hot Springs, and this Filipino missionary asks Carol Ann and I if we will allow Joy to live with us. Well, if you know us, we've pretty much allowed a lot of people to live with us, and we're an easy catch, and we said sure. And so Joy moved in with us for about a year. And when she came, her dad gave her about $1,000 to set up a bank account. And he said, look, I, you know, I want you to be able to pay for youth activities. I want you to be able to pay for your food when you go out and just have a good time. So he said, Eric, would you mind going to a bank and setting up an account for Joy, this 13-year-old girl? So I was babysitting Mo that day, my 18-month-old son. I think Carolyn may have been at work at the time she worked for Brother Dave Chittam at an office. And so... I'm at the bank with Mo, and Mo was a pretty wild kid. I mean, he was all over the place, you know. And we walk in the bank, and we sit in front of this, te- of this, uh, this uh, you know, one of the workers there at the bank who was, sets up accounts, right? We're sitting there, and I've got Mo on my lap, but I'd let him go just to kind of run around and play a little bit right in the area. Joy is there. She's giving her information to get this bank account set up. And I notice things become really eerie in the bank. And I'm thinking, you know, I look over, and I see this. This dude, and he's got camouflage on, he's got a hood on, and he's at the counter, and it looks like, yeah, I couldn't see a gun, but it looked like his arm was like this, and over the counter, I'm thinking, man, that, that kind of looks strange, but I'm not thinking, I'm just, I'm Mr. Naive, I'm having a good time, everybody's cool, this guy's probably just needs Jesus, he's a nice guy, I mean, everything's great, I'm totally, I'm, I'm talking, and I'm, I'm, Matthias, come back over here, and George, this is great, and this lady's turned white. And she look, and I look at her and I say, ma'am, are you okay? Because she looks sick. And she looked at me and she mouthed these words. I'll say them loud. But she mouthed them. She didn't say much. She goes, the bank is being robbed. And I went, oh. I didn't know. You just look really sick. And I went, who's robbing the bank? And she said, and I looked over and it was the dude, you know. And so I'm like, what do we do? And she said, get the baby and hold it. So I get Mo at 18 months old in the middle of the day, wound up tight. I mean, this kid is tight. He don't want to sit on daddy's lap. So I grab Mo, put him on my lap. I'm trying to keep him there. I'm like, you know, what's going on here? And the next thing I know, there's, there's eight gunshots in the bank. Pop, 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 pop. It's crazy. That's the bullets. They're going everywhere. And I'm like, this is incredible. This poor joy, you know. So I just, my first reaction is to jump on top of of joy and Mo and cover them up. (laughs) What's the most courageous thing you've done? (laughs) So I'm on top of joy and Mo. And I'm like, you know, just when when this happens, you're like, okay, I don't feel anything yet, you know. So I'm on top of them, and, and, and all of a sudden, the gun, the gun, the bullets stop, you know, pretty quick, maybe just a few seconds, pop up, eight shots. And then I look up, and it says it here in the article, it says, uh, let's see, I'm sorry, I won't, I won't take time to find it, but it basically says that when, 
when the gun, when the bullets and the guns stopped, that I, I looked, opened my eyes, and he was within inches away from me. He had, he had jumped, he dropped all of his money. He was asking for $6,792.73. Because that's how much it cost to buy a used car that he didn't have the money for. So he just bought the used car, you know, thing. And he gave it to the teller and said, I want this much money. So she gave him that much money. And I guess they're trained to give in these situations. I don't know, but it, it was pretty heavy. It's full of cash. And so he dropped it and money was everywhere. I'm just kidding. No, I wasn't thinking about taking the money. I promise. Some of you look at me like, you know, no. And so money's everywhere. I look up and he's grabbing the money. And so as he's grabbing the money and stuffing it in his pocket, then I think we need it. We need to run and hide. So Joy goes under the desk where the lady was. She's under the, everybody. There's nobody in the bank. That's like just me and this dude, you know, I'm like, hey, bro, how you doing? And uh, so Joy goes under that desk. Well, I jump over a desk. That was up against the window. And when I did, I hit Mo's head against the window. Yeah, it was bad. And, and I slid in between the desk and the window. There's about, you know, just a few inches. And when I hit his head hard against that window, because it was crazy, he just lets out a massive, ah, cry. He's like crying. And I'm just trying to stuff my fist down his throat, you know. <laughs> Shut up. You can't cry right now, you know. And uh, loving father. And so, you know. I'm trying to get him to, and so all of a sudden, and this is in the article too, he yells out, don't worry, I won't kill the baby. And I went, thanks. <laughs> no joke. I did, it's in there. I said, thank you. Hey, I, <laughs> nice gesture. And so, <clears throat> then the next thing I know is there's two more shots, bang, bang. I didn't know what they were, but anyway, he got shot. Because he just took the money and ran. And when he ran out the front door, Larry was there and, you know, it was over. Now, when that all happened, it wasn't time for me to say, oh, no, the bank is being robbed. Well, let, could I suggest we stop and pray that everything will be fine? And let's just, you know, I mean, this is a little rough and we've had a few gunshots. And, but it's going to be fine. I, nobody's hit yet. So could we just talk about no, it's time to run for cover. It's time to get out of the way. It's time to react. You've got a moment of time. It's life or death. And that's what it is right now for some of you. It's life or death. I mean, Jesus was with the devil on a mountain. And your salvation is at stake do you understand that if Jesus would have given in to the devil, and I know you've got full confidence in Jesus, but obviously the devil didn't. The devil had every intention and still has every intention of destroying Jesus and his kingdom and taking him down. That's what he's all about. And so here he is offering Jesus the, the whole world, hoping Jesus will take it so we'll all be doomed for hell. But aren't you glad Jesus made the right decision in a moment of time? Because the Bible says in Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 8, and Jesus answered and said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only, and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. He alone is worthy. And this morning, what all of us need to say to that old devil who hates us and wants to destroy us, and to some of you who he wants to drag to hell itself to burn forever, 
You need to say, I am going to worship God today. I'm going to accept Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not walking out of this building without Jesus in my heart. I'm not taking a chance. I'm not going to hope I make it home okay. I'm not going to hope I make it till next Sunday. I'm not going to hope it all works out and I live to be uh, to this age and then I'll get... No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying yes today in my moment of time. And that's what Jesus faced here in Luke chapter 4. Satan made a legitimate offer. This was a legit offer. Satan makes you a legitimate offer. Hey, don't trust Jesus. I've got more for you. Satan makes you that offer today. He really does. It's legitimate. He's got a lot of power. He does. It's a legitimate offer. He's got a lot of power. He'd love for you to accept. He'd love for you to become one of his. He'd love for you to be possessed with him. He'd love for you to be demon-possessed. He'd love for you to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. The devil makes that offer to you today. Would you do it, please? It's legitimate. Jesus never said you don't have power. Why? Because the devil did have power. And Satan's going to make that same offer to another man. And that man's going to accept. The beast is going to say, I'll take it. I'll take it. Give it to me. I want that power. Number three. Notice, thirdly, the seductive appeal that disguises the beast. Here in Revelation chapter number 13, verse number three, the Bible says, And I saw one of the heads, as it were, wounded in death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. So he's been wounded, and then it's like he dies and comes back to life. Do you see that? And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. They worshipped the devil, which gave power to the Antichrist, and they worshipped the beast. He is going to be an appealing man in the eyes of the world. I'm telling you, you know what Daniel said about him? Daniel said he would come as a peacemaker. Daniel chapter number 8, verse 25. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. Speaking of the Antichrist. He'll magnify himself in his own heart. He's clever. He's charming. The devil himself was called an angel of what? Light. Not darkness. An angel of light. There's going to be a strong delusion. It seems as if people are already coming under that strong delusion as if to say, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I, I, I think there's something else out there for me. Verse 3 indicates some kind of resurrection. It seems like the world's going to be mesmerized, mesmerized by this beast. And they'll say, there's peace at last. How wonderful he is. And that's why I say he'll be handsome. He'll be brilliant. It goes on to say in verse 4 and the last part, who is likened to the beast? Who is able to make war with, with him? And it was given him a mouth speaking great things. Wow. He could wax eloquent. He knew how to talk. He knew how to convince people his way was the best way. Number four. Notice the unholy ambitions that, that drive the beast. There's some, there's some unholy ambitions he has. And he does have ambitions. I mean, he, he does have some goals. There are some things the devil would like to accomplish. Why did Jesus come? Does anybody know why Jesus came? He came to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. Right? That literally, Jesus came to this earth to save you. 
He's seeking for you. He wants to save you. The devil came to this world to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. Good job, guys. Steal, kill, and destroy. Pretty, pretty big difference. Jesus comes so you might have life. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Big difference. The thief comes to do these things. So the beast, he, his ambitions were this. Number one, he is coming to deify Satan. To deify Satan. He, he wants Satan to be God. Look at verse number four. Again, it says, And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit upon the mount. Luke chapter 4, verse 7. We already read this one, but read it again. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. There is more satanic worship in the world today than ever before. Satan is getting bolder and bolder. He's getting more arrogant. Why? We're getting closer to the end times and he wants to deify. The Antichrist wants to deify. The beast wants to deify Satan. Number two, he is coming to defy the Savior. He wants to defy the Savior. Remember, he is the Antichrist. He's against Christ. Verse 6, he opens his mouth, verse 6, in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Remember, anti means against. He's going to wax eloquent in turning people away from any belief in the one and only true God. In fact, Kind of a scary verse. I'm not sure I understand it all. But he's such a great liar. He is such a great liar, this Antichrist, that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24 that there's going to arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. This is heavy. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Brother Eric, I guarantee you one thing. I would never believe that. You listen to me and listen to me well. Yes, you would. But for the grace of God. It's not about you. You're not strong today to defend yourself against these, these, this, these antichrists, these false prophets. You today can only overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. That's why we need to understand that it is only the protection of Almighty God or else we would believe Him. We would, except for God's protection. Hallelujah. He is coming to destroy the saints. Look at verse 7. It says, He was given unto them to make war with the saints and to overcome them. He, he, obviously, there is tribulation saints. This is, if this is after the rapture, and I believe it is, and I say if it is, because not all do believe it is. But if it is after the rapture, there are tribulation saints that will come under his wrath. Martyrdom, electric chairs, guillotines, whatever. Number four, he is coming to dominate society. To overcome them, verse 7. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. 
He'll have global control. He will do it with reward or persecution. All the world is going to follow after the beast. Everybody. Verse 5. He is coming to delude sinners. Verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth. I circled that word all. All. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Except for those whose names, I love it, whose names were, are not written in the book of the Lamb, the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's impossible for a Christian to believe his lies if their names are written in the book of life. He'll not deceive the sinners. Number five, and I'm done. I want you to notice finally in closing. Notice there is an agent in, in chapter 13 that will declare the beast. Look at verse 11. And I beheld another beast. Another one? Yeah. Another one coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake like a dragon. This other beast is called the false prophet. You see, the devil likes to imitate God. Did you know that? We sang a moment ago, I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is... Amen. He's three in one. It's called the Holy Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But there's an unholy trinity. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. You see, the devil loves to imitate God. He likes the way God lays things out. He just doesn't like the fact that he's not worshipped. And so this false prophet will try to convince the world that the beast and the dragon, the devil are to be worshipped just like the Holy Spirit tries to convince us. Amen? Just like the Holy Spirit is working in this room, this false prophet will be working that the beast might be worshipped. Verse 11, 12, 13, and 14. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And look at verse 12. And he exercised all power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. The first one who, who rose from the dead, it looks like, or it seems like. And he doeth great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had powers to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the, the wound by a sword and did live. Worship this one who was killed and yet lived. Let me give you three methods that the beast is going to use or the false prophet will use to bring the world to unification under the Antichrist. Number one, there's fire. Verse 13 talks about fire. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. He makes fire come down from heaven. Maybe some kind of an atomic explosion. I have no idea, but I know this. It's going to be super impressive. And somebody that can make fire come down from heaven is going to be somebody who can deceive a lot of people. And then there's the image. The Bible speaks of an image in verse 14 and 15. He deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. What could this image be? You may have that image in your living room. It could be a television. It could be a computer. How, how fast do you think this beast could appear on television and speak to the whole world? Pretty quick, couldn't he? He could step on the world scene today, and within 60 minutes, everybody on planet Earth that has the image of the beast, 
the image in their living room, the image on their computer. And then there's the mark. Look at verse 16, 17, and 18, and we're done. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save he has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, six, six, six. Six is the number of man. Man was created on the what day? The sixth day. Seven is the number of perfection. Six, six, six will be the mark of the beast, and the mark will control commerce in a cashless society. Which, by the way, again, without developing any of this, you, you just study for yourself something, just one little thing called the smart card. I, I studied it last week, decided not to introduce it at all because it takes it's too much information. Just study it for yourself. There's already much happening in the world today to make a microchip accessible and placed in everybody the number of the beast. So out of the sea comes this beast. That all the world, including Israel, including Israel, will say, the Messiah has come. Well, you may say today, I don't know if you got all this right, Brother Eric. You're probably right. (laughs) I don't claim to have it all right. But here's what I do know. Jesus is coming, and you better be ready. That's what I do know. I have that right. Jesus is coming, and you better be ready. Did you hear me? Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. He's coming. He's coming back. He's what we sang about. He's overcome. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. I believe in the resurrection. I believe he's coming again. And that's what's exciting. And that's why we're here today. We do not have to face the wrath for our sin in the great tribulation. We don't have to be introduced to that delusion that Satan and the false prophet and the beast will present to the world. You and I have the opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus. He is coming. Are you ready? And the way to be ready is to give your heart to him and be born again. You see, everyone in this building was born the first time. But without the second birth, you will never have the eternal life that God wants you to have. You must be born again. You must have that second birth. Why did Jesus come? He came that you might have life. He came that you might be saved. He came that you might know that you can have the assurance that you'll never have to face hell and wrath for your sin because Jesus, God's son, listen, took your place. You can receive that gift by faith today. How's that sound? Today, you can receive that gift by faith. I want to ask those of you in this room who know you're saved right now, in just a moment, I want to ask you to do me something. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me, and I want you to pray for those around you that may not know for sure if they were to die that they'd go to heaven. I want you to pray. And listen, church, that's why we're here on this corner. We're here in this corner to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to offer this second birth to everyone who's never received Jesus Christ as their Savior. We want folks to be ready when that trumpet sounds. And so today we are trying to understand a little bit about what's to come.
Next week we'll talk about heaven. It'll be an awesome study in Scripture. What is heaven? Where is heaven? What's it all about? What will we do there? Revelation tells us. But I want you to know many, 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 many will never go. Many will reject. Many will die and spend an eternity in hell because they sat in a service like this one and said, in a moment of time, no. No. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With heads bowed this morning,